Well, good morning, Victory family. How you guys doing this morning? So good to see each and every one of you. And also, just I want to acknowledge all of you who are joining us online. This is our last week of the Quicksand series that we're in. How many of you have enjoyed this series that we're in? We've been, we've been talking about forgiveness, quicksand, talking about forgiveness. And we started it out talking about forgiving others. Uh, for the wrongs and the things that they have done to us. And then last week, Pastor Johnson talked about forgiving God when unexpected things happen in our life or, or things happen to us that we don't understand. Sometimes we go into a funk and we, we just don't understand how to process through it. And this week, I'm talking about a, an aspect of forgiveness that is kind of subtle. And uh, I want to kind of go into this, but today we're talking about forgiving ourselves. Now, I know some of you are saying, how do I forgive myself? Here, here's, here's, here's the idea. The idea is God forgives us a lot of times, and we oftentimes don't know how to find freedom from our past. And we need to be set free from our past. So we're talking about forgiving ourselves, forgiving yourself. Uh, there's a word that we use, uh, the Greek word for offense, scandalon. It means a trap or a snare, an impediment placed in the way to cause you to stumble or, or fall. And oftentimes we can easily feel the emotions when someone else wrongs us, and we can feel the emotions when things happen to us in life. But what happens when the trap that was set for you was set by you? Mm. What do you do when you set the trap and now you're stuck? Say that with me, stuck. I love this side of the room. Say that over here, stuck. Because, see, stuck is a, it's not a good word. Think about it. It's, it's a bad word. Here's, here, give me an example. I want you to turn to your spouse and say, I'm stuck with you. Somebody said that a little too easy. I'm stuck with you. If you don't have a spouse, just look up to heaven towards God and say, I'm stuck with you. It has a bad connotation around it when you say, I'm stuck. You know, I remember one time I was stuck. It was January 28th, 20, uh, 2014, it was a day that lives in infamy. You know what day it was if you're from Atlanta? It was Snowmageddon. <laughs> it was a snowstorm like no other that happened. And I was one of the ones that got stuck in my truck for 22 hours. 22 hours with my little boys. I was at a Kroger parking lot. <laughs> but that, that didn't even make it any better because they just wanted to go, Dad, get me some chips. Dad, get me some candy. 22 hours stuck. And you know what happens when you're stuck? What happens when you're stuck, you start replaying all of the decisions that you made to get you into the situation that you are stuck in. So I'm thinking about all the scenarios that could have happened. I, I could have not gone to work today. You know, uh, I probably, I probably should have left early. Here's, here's the one that kept just ringing. I wish I would have used Waze instead of Google Maps. Because I left early and there were people here at the church that left after me and they made it home and I didn't. Because they used Waze instead of Google Maps. You know, you think about it. I'm talking about um, a scenario where we have, you know, some physical constraints. We're stuck with physical constraints. But what happens, what happens when you're stuck spiritually and emotionally? And you start playing back what you could have done or what you should have done and what you would have done. Well, 
I should have never gone to that place. If I would have never gone to that place, I would have never met that person, and we would have never gotten married. And then, and then, if we would have never gotten married, we would have never gotten divorced. You start playing these, these things out. You know, I wish we had ways for our life. Oh, wait, we do have ways for our life. Jesus, he said, I'm the way. I'm the way. But we get stuck. We get stuck in things. We get stuck in life. And that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how do I get from being unstuck? You know, we get stuck in cycles of guilt, shame, and regret. And oftentimes it's difficult for us to get free from the things, uh, from the never-ending cycle that begins to spiral and spiral because we're stuck. And we spiral into depression. We spiral into things that we didn't intend to spiral into because we got stuck in life and we don't know how to get free from it because something happened to us, something, some decision we made, some idea that we had, in some way or somehow we got stuck. And that's what we're talking about. When we speak of quicksand, when we speak of quicksand, we're saying somewhere in life I got stuck and I don't know how to get free from where I am right now. You know, when you think about quicksand, it, and you get stuck, it causes you, it causes you to sink slowly and slowly until there's no more of the real you left. And for many of us, when it comes to our past, we have not released ourselves from our past. God has forgiven us, but we haven't learned how to release ourselves from our past, and we find ourselves stuck, our past, stuck in our past sins, our past failures, our past mistakes, our past decisions. They plague us. They block us from receiving what God fully, fully has for our life. I thought Jesus said that I came that you might have life and life more abundantly, but some way, somehow, I find myself in this place that I'm scratching for life more abundantly. I'm clawing my way through life. It doesn't seem like abundance is happening because I can't move my feet. I'm drowning in life, and I need a way to get out of it because I'm still stuck in the past hurt. I'm still stuck in the past pains. I'm still stuck in the past mistakes I made, the divorce that I had to fight through, the relationships I had to fight through, the bankruptcy that I had to fight through, and I'm trying to get out. Jesus, can you help me get free? Some of you, some of you right here in this room and some of you are online, you may have had some major opportunities that you messed up, major failure in your family life. Like I said, gone through a divorce. You may be estranged from your children right now as a father, and you don't know how to bridge the gap. Some of you, even now, you may have gone to prison, and you know that God is a God of second chances, but you've gotten out and you seem inadequate and you're trying to get free. And even after God has said, even after you've asked God uh, for forgiveness for it, and being forgiven of it, somehow we still find ourselves not having freedom from it. So, I want to tell us today, how you handle your history can hinder your destiny. So we have to look at our past, and we have to allow God to help us to be released from our past. How do you handle it? How do you handle your past? I'll give you an answer. You don't. God handles it. Oftentimes, we, try and our, we find ourselves trying to fix our past. We find ourselves trying to, 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 to make sense of it. But God is saying, look, you can't fix your past. The only thing you can do where it concerns your past is release it. Someone say, release it. You need to release your past to Jesus. Now, speaking of quicksand, how do I get out of this quicksand? Now, I know you guys are wondering, what is this bag for? Let me put this bag on. Man, this is a, this is a heavy bag. 
you know, you know, I was looking up how do you get out of quicksand, and as I looked it up, the first thing that it would say when it concerns how to get out of quicksand, it would say, make yourself as light as possible. It said, toss your bag. Now, I'm not going to toss my bag right now because there's some things in the bag that we're going to uncover in, in just a little bit. Somebody say, somebody say what's in the bag? You're going to find out later. But when we think about this, there's a scripture that I want to read to you when, it's, when we talk about how to get out of this quicksand, how to get stuck, how to find freedom from our past. I have this bag on, and I want to read this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 in the New Living Translation. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to toss the bag right now, but this bag symbolizes something that I want you to get in your mind because for many of us, you've put the past behind you. You've put the past behind you, but you're still, still carrying the weight of it. You're still carrying the weight of the past. This bag is behind me, and I can't see it, but I can feel it. I'm still carrying it. And what happens when the Lord has forgiven you, but, you're still, but your past is still weighing on you? Some of us right now, we're in here, we're listening to the message, but we're thinking about that thing that we've done in the past. We're thinking about the dreams that we buried in the past. We're thinking about the calling that God had, has for us on our life that we are yet to fulfill, and we're trying to figure out how am I going to achieve what God called me to achieve. Weighed down by sins of omission and sins of commission. You know, sins you've committed, but then there are some sins of disobedience where you just haven't acted upon and done what God has called you to do. How do we gain freedom from our past? Now, I need to put this bag down because this thing is heavy. How do we gain freedom from our past? Number one, Key thing, key principle, we receive his forgiveness. Now, that seems like something simple, but I'm telling you, it's, I come across people all the time that it's difficult for them to receive his forgiveness. And here's, here's what I want everyone to know, listening in the room and also online. Let's face it, you really did sin. You really did sin. You really did fall short. We all do. We all fell short. That's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And let's face it and call it what it was. It was sin. What we did, it was sin. If we face it and call it what it was, once we face it, we can face him and he can forgive us. One of the challenges that I found in this generation is a big problem. A big problem that we have is that in our generation that we're in, we're living in right now, we don't want to call sin what it is. It's sin. Adultery, it's sin. Lying, it's sin. Fornication, it's sin. Stealing, it's sin. All of it is sin, but we live in a generation that doesn't want to call sin, sin. And it's probably one of the biggest problems we have. And here's why it's a big problem. It's a big problem because when we read 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, here's what it says. It says, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The biggest problem, the reason why this is a big problem is because if we don't want to acknowledge the sin that is in the world and the sin that we commit, it's how is God going to forgive us for something that we don't want to admit? But if we, if we admit to him, God, I was wrong. 
You know, when I think about my past and I think about all the stuff that I did, I just have to say, you know what, all of that was wrong. Some of you right here in this room, you've been in some situations in the past that if it wasn't for the goodness of God to get you out of that stuff that you were in, you would be on your way to the flames. But he set us free. Oftentimes, we don't want to call it what it is. It is sin. Or we focus on everyone else's sin, and we don't want to acknowledge the thing that we actually need to be forgiven for. And this, here's the question I always ask people. What's the worst, what's the worst sin? I'll tell you the answer. The one that you commit. That's the one you're going to get judged for. But thanks be to God, if we come to him, if we tell him and we confess our sin, the scripture says that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. I love, I love how Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. And I want you to get this in your spirit. He says, there are two great, two great lessons which every man must learn and learn by experience before he can be a Christian. First, he must learn that sin is an exceeding great and evil thing. Then he must learn also that the blood of Christ is an exceedingly precious thing and is able to save unto the uttermost them that come unto it. Aren't you glad for the, the precious blood of Jesus? Oh, aren't you glad for the precious blood of Jesus? Now, some of you have been in church too long to be clapping like this. You know what God has delivered you from because he set us free. He took our guilt and our shame away. He set us free. I'm so excited that Jesus set me free. About 25 years ago, he set me free from bondage. He set some of you free. And here's the thing. Here's the idea that we have. When we receive his forgiveness... When we receive that, we are truly free. We can be free. But oftentimes, we accept his forgiveness and we walk away with shame still on us. We walk away with shame still on us. Psalms, I want to read this scripture to you. It's Psalms, verse 103, verse 8 through 12. And this is what David said. He says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love, someone say unfailing love, towards those who fear him is, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Famous scripture, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Think about that. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. You know what that means? That means that even when people have not forgiven you for what you have done, Jesus has. Even when people remember what you've done in the past, Jesus doesn't remember it. Even when the things that you are processing through are a consequence of some decisions that you made in the past, you still don't have to walk in shame or guilt. You can walk in freedom knowing that you are forgiven and that your name, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Somebody shout hallelujah to your name, your name being written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, I want to pull something out of this bag because I think oftentimes we don't understand the weight of sin. You know, how many of you would say that when you gave your life to Christ, there was a huge weight that was lifted off of you? You know, I remember when I was on my mother's living room floor and I prayed that prayer. As soon as I got up, I felt like there was a weight that lifted off of me. And this, this first thing, I want to pull out this bag it's a weight, and it's a heavy weight, too. Some of you who work out, you're saying, Pastor Darius, that's not heavy. <laughs> it's heavy to me. But this weight, it represents the guilt. It represents guilt. 
Because some of us are walking around and we're carrying the, guilt, the weight of guilt on us because we don't understand or fully, have fully received that Jesus has released us from the guilt of sin, that he set us free from it. So you, don't no, longer, you no longer have to carry the weight of sin. Jesus took the weight of sin and he carried it to the cross. As he said, he's, the Bible says that he took our sins and he cast them as far as the east is from the west and he does not remember them no more. So if you're walking around, if you receive Jesus Christ, he's saying, look, you don't have to carry guilt. You don't have to carry the guilt for all the things you've done. I died on a cross for that. The Bible says, to, uh, as Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, to the uttermost or to the utmost, Jesus saves. You don't have to come back and pick up the weight of sin because he's already set us free. He's removed the guilt from us. So when it comes to freedom from our past, the first thing that we have to remove from our baggage, from the bag, is guilt. We have to get the guilt out of the way. And I want to I show you something in Scripture. Here's what it says in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. This is David. He said, oh, what joy for those who, whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But finally, someone say finally. Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Now, I want you to just think about that. All my guilt is gone in this version of the Scripture. You see what it, what it says after that? It says, it says interlude. You see the interlude? Because right there, David realized all his guilt was gone, and he had a praise break right in the middle of what happened right there. And he began to shout. He began to praise because he understood that all of his guilt was gone. Now, if we had an organist and a drummer right now, we would go into a praise break. But we're not quite the Pentecostal church. Amen. Someone shout, the guilt is gone. Sometimes we just have to acknowledge that in order for us to really be free. We have to acknowledge the guilt is gone. He's removed my guilt. I don't have to carry the weight of it anymore. I can shout the guilt is gone. All of my guilt is gone. I'm not trying to hold on to the weight of it. I'm trying to get rid of it. I'm trying to release it to Jesus so that I can be free from my past. But what happens when we don't fully receive his forgiveness? Here's what happened. happens. We keep forcing ourselves to remember what God has already removed. When we won't let it go, we keep forcing ourselves to remember what God has already removed. When we do not humble ourselves to receive Jesus' forgiveness, to receive it over us, the thing that we're saying is that his cross, his sacrifice was not good enough. We're saying that his blood was not strong enough. We're saying we're going to take our own salvation into our own hands and we're going to hold on to guilt and carry it because his cross that he carried, carried was not enough for us. But that's not what we truly believe. The understanding of this is this, is that when we face the guilt, it's the accuser of the brethren. That's not Jesus telling you to hold on to the guilt. The accuser of the brethren is telling you to hold on to it. Don't let it go because he understands that if you continue to hold on to it, you can't move forward. He wants you to stay bound. He wants you to stay stuck. Someone say stuck. He doesn't want you to fulfill what God has called you to do, so he keeps you chained to your past, carrying the guilt of sin. But we don't have to do that. Here's the thing. You can't do enough. You can't be enough. 
There's not enough works that you can do to remove the guilt of sin for yourself. You can't. Some of you have been laboring, trying to, trying to please God. Some of you have been working hard, trying to prove that you're forgiven. Here, you don't, you don't work for salvation. You don't work for it. You work from it. Because of what he's done and the way he's empowered you and the freedom that he's given you, you can walk in freedom. You can walk guiltless and free because he lives inside of you. And he carries the weight. Once he comes and lives inside of you, whatever burden you have, it's just a light burden. Whatever afflictions you have, it's just a light affliction. The cross that you carry because he lives in you, he's carrying the cross for you. So we have to agree with this word. We have to agree with what God has said to us about us. We have to release ourselves, release ourselves from the past. So here's what we have to do. We have to agree with this word. We have to repent of holding our opinion above God's opinion, and we have to receive his forgiveness in, the fruit, in, the, in its fullness. So how do we gain freedom for, from our past? I already said, number one, number one, we receive his forgiveness. Number two, we release ourselves from the penalty of the past. The past has a penalty to it. You know, um, Romans 8 verse 1 uh, it says this, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that word condemnation, the Greek word for that, katakrima, uh, actually means penalty. So he's saying there is no penalty for those who are in Christ Jesus. The scripture is telling us that sometimes um, that there is no penalty, but sometimes we live as if we still have to pay the fees. We live as, as if we still have to pay the fine. And that's what shame is. Shame says, I will carry the debt of my sin until it's paid in full. The only problem is, is you can't afford afford to pay the penalties of this sin. You can't afford it. It's too much. Your shame is just a reminder that you owe, but you can't pay. Have you ever, have you ever loaned someone some money and they didn't pay you back within the allotted time? You know, they didn't pay you back within the allotted time and then you see them at a restaurant now, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about like Burger King or Taco Bell or even Chipotle. I'm talking about, a good, you see them at a good steakhouse, like Frankie's or Ruth Chris. You see them at the steakhouse, and they owe you money, but they don't see you. And the only reason you acknowledge them, you, you saw them, is because they were sitting in the back, and you saw a, a big tomahawk steak that came by your table. And you know what we do. We, you know what we do. If we, if we have the ribeye, we see a tomahawk go by, we follow it all. Who got that one? And they take it all the way back to the plate, to the table of the person that owes you money. And, you know, the, the idea is this. The idea is that you probably would normally just go up to that person and say, hey, but you don't want to shame them. And you know they've been ducking and dodging you because they owe you money. Now, let me just say this. This is not a real scenario. No one owes, no one owes me any money. You know, uh, I, just a while back, I just decided that if I'm giving you the money, I'm giving it to you, and you can have it. If you want to pay it back, fine. That's, so this is not a real story. So if I gave you some money, you don't owe me. Okay. But the idea of it is this is how we treat God when we carry the penalty. We feel like we owe him, and because we owe him, we hide from him. Or we hide from people, we hide from the people of God, or we hide from God because we feel like we owe God something because we're still, we're still carrying shame. And here's the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt works for you to point you towards God. Shame, it works against you to get you to, uh, works, works against you to get you to distance yourself from God. You know, 
the thing that we have to realize is that God doesn't want us to carry shame, but we do because we've done some things in the past. Someone say, what's in the bag? All right, let me pull something else out of the bag. Now, this right here, it's a frame. It's a picture frame. Now, this represents shame. You say, why does a picture frame represent shame? Because it's a moment in time that something happened in our lives. It's a moment in time that we look back on and we can't forget because an event happened in that moment, moment in time that we wish people would not know about. It's something in our past that we don't want anyone to know about. We don't even let God know about it as much as possible. And we carry it with us. Now, I know some of you are looking at this picture and it's like, who is on this picture? It's my old crew back before I gave my life to Christ. And it represents a dark time in my life where I was away from Christ. Oftentimes, we, we have these moments in our life. We have a frame of shame in our life, a moment that we cannot get, allow ourselves to be free from. And we need to allow ourselves to be free from that moment of time and shame. Or you may have, you may have one of these right here. An envelope that may have a picture in it. I'm not going to show you all this picture. <laughs> you know what this represents? When you carry shame with you, it's an opportunity for the enemy to blackmail you. To keep your past hidden. To keep, to keep you operating beneath what you're called to operate in because of something that happened in your past. Don't let the enemy have one of these on you. Don't let him have some secret place on you that you have not revealed or some shame in your life. Allow yourself to be free. Now, I'm not saying you go and tell the whole world what you've done. I'm not even going to tell you all the things that I've done. But what I'm saying is there are some things in your life that you have to allow yourself to take out of and you have to pull from it and not carry the shame of it, not carrying the shame of a criminal record. Somebody need to hear that. You feel like you can't fully be who God called you to be because something that happened when you were 17 years old or something that happened when you were 27 years old or something that happened when you were 37 years old. The Lord has forgiven you. You can still walk in, walk in the freedom that God has for you or the shame of bankruptcy or the shame of divorce or the shame of a broken marriage. Or just the imperfection of life. Do you know that you're not perfect? And that you're not going to do everything right? This represents our shame. This represents the thing. What did it do with my weight? Oh, oh on the floor. All right, great. I'm going to need that. This represents the shame of our life. You know what shame says? Shame says that you're all the uns. Unacceptable unqualified, unlovable, unworthy of the goodness of God. And sometimes we carry that and we think that's humility, but that's not humility, that's pride. Because if he's called you to be his son and his daughter, you need to call yourself by the name that he called you. He said that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when has righteousness ever been unworthy? When has righteousness ever been unlovable or inadequate? When has righteousness been that? God has set you free. It's not healthy to carry the shame. And today, I believe that God is going to release us, release us from the guilt, release us from the shame, release us from the regrets that, me, that we may be carrying in our life. He wants to set us free today. Do you believe that God wants to set you free today from the shame, from the guilt, from the regrets? You know, guilt convicts us of wrong, but shame says that we are something wrong. Shame says you're wrong. But I would tell you, Jesus says that you are free. Someone say, what's in the bag? 
What else is in the bag? Guilt, shame. Now, this one right here is a clock. This right here represents regret. You know, because we feel like we've wasted our life. You can't move past a time that you had in your life where you felt like it was the opportunity that I should have taken and I missed it. This represents the moment of time that you feel like that you felt like you missed God. Here's what regret means. It means you feel sad, repentant, or disappointed over a lost over a loss or a missed opportunity. How many of you felt like you've missed some opportunities before? You know, there's some people in this crowd that I just got a, I got a real strong heart for. Some people online. It's for some of you who have been called to ministry. And you feel like you missed your opportunity. You missed the moment. And you feel like you're working a nine-to-five job and you missed an opportunity that you were supposed to be working full-time in ministry or part-time in ministry or having an itinerant ministry and you felt like you missed the opportunity. I'm going to tell you, look, your time is not lost. It's never too late for God to use you. God can take your life where you are. Take your life where you are and redeem the time that you have. He can recover that time. Here's what you have to do, though. You have to get up and get rid of those regrets. Get up and get rid of those regrets. I want to get, just think about this. Think about the story of the guy, the infamous guy that we read about in the Bible in the book of Judges called Samson. You know, we read about Samson. And we read the story of Samson and Delilah, and, you know, Samson got caught up in sin. He got caught up in a situation with Delilah, and he ended up having his eyes poked out, lost his vision. He also uh, found himself uh, pulling, the, pulling, pulling with oxes in the, in the Philistine territory. After he had Won so many victories and so many battles, he found himself entangled in a situation that he found himself behind enemy camp and he was in bondage. But I want you to remember what, how that story ended. Do you remember how the story ended? That Samson, at the end of his life, the guy that we talk about being trapped and saying, he prayed to God one more time. He prayed to God one more time, and he told him to put me in the middle of the two pillars. And the Bible says that his strength came back at the end of his life, and he tore down the Colosseum, and he slayed and killed more Philistines in that one moment than he did in his whole life. I'm saying to you that it's not too late for God to use you to do damage to the enemy's camp. It's never too late for God to use you. Some of you think that God has given up on you. Some of you think that God is looking down and he's mad at you for what you haven't done. God is not giving up on you. God is not mad at you. God is waiting on you to pray another prayer, another big prayer that'll believe him that he can do something marvelous in your life. But you have to get rid of the regrets. Get rid of the things that you should have done or you could have done or you would have done. Those days are gone, but God can do a new thing, right? He can do a new thing in your life. You know, when I came to Victory, Victory Church, I was 36 years old. I had been in ministry for 14 years before I got to Victory Church. I had been a youth pastor, and then at my last church, I was a, an associate pastor at that church. And when I came to Victory, just to be honest, I didn't know if God wanted to use me anymore. I didn't know if he wanted to keep me in full-time ministry. I just didn't know. And I came to Victory, and I said, Lord, whatever you want to do. You know, about this time, 36 years old, all my friends, they're planting churches. They're doing what God has called them to do. And I'm like, Lord, okay, so what am I supposed to be doing right now? And here's what I did. I was driving down Brook Hollow Parkway, not even thinking about victory. And I was looking for a home. And then on Saturday night, I saw people crossing the street right here. And I just drove in the parking lot, sat right up there in those two chairs, right there in the middle, right there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is your home. This is your house. Now, did I know 
that some years later I would be on the platform preaching? No. As a matter of fact, I told my wife, me and my wife, we said, you know, we're going to go to this church. We're not going to tell them what we used to do. We're not going to say we were pastors or none of that. If we're pastors, they'll see it. I'm saying to you, you don't, listen, God knows who you are. Somebody in here need to know that. God knows your name. He knows your story. He knows who you are. He knows how he wants to use you. And here's the thing. All you have to do is stand up, shake that quicksand off your feet, get up and believe that God has a mission and a call on your life and do what God called you to do. Look, if you don't have anyone to preach to, preach to some dolls in the house if you got a daughter. Preach to some chairs. Call somebody on a Zoom call and give them a word. Send them a text message. I'm saying wherever you are in life, allow God to use you. Get rid of the regret. Here's the thing. We, we read the scripture. All have sinned and all have fallen short. Think about that. You're talking about what you haven't done. God already knew that you were going to fall short. He already knew it. You have to get rid of the regret. So, how? How do I get free from this quicksand? I said, number one, receive forgiveness. Number two, release yourself from the penalty. And here's the last one. We have to rediscover freedom. Rediscover freedom. Now, here's, 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 here's the thought. We have to release ourselves from this baggage this big old bag. I have to get rid of this thing. Stop carrying the weight of our past. We have to be willing to give this to Jesus. I don't want to carry it no more. Give it to Jesus. He wants it. That's what he meant for us. He meant to carry it so that we can rediscover freedom. You know, he's our friend. You know, I love the, I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. How many of you know that song? know how it goes, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. If you're from the Methodist church. Oh, what needless pains we bear. But look at this. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God wants you to take, he wants you to take that baggage. He wants you to carry that baggage, give it to him. Let him take it. He wants to release you from your past. He wants you to experience freedom. He don't want you bound. He wants you free. Here's what he, Jesus said, you know, when we think about what we're processing, what we're talking about right now, he said, most assuredly, this is John chapter 8, verse 34 through 36. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, I don't want you to stop right there because oftentimes we don't really understand what he's saying in verse 35. He says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, he's not saying because you committed a sin, you're going to continue to be a slave. He's saying, if I have made you a son, you will, you will abide in the house. And we read the scripture, and here's what it says. He said, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If he has made you free, let the sins of the past go. Let the weight, the guilt of the past go. The shame of the past, let the regrets go and allow yourself to rediscover. And this is why I use the word rediscover. 
is because God never gave you freedom and then took it back from you. He didn't make you free, and then when you did something wrong, he took his freedom back. You have to understand and acknowledge if the Son has made me free, I am free indeed. You have to rediscover the freedom that Jesus has already given you. You have to rediscover and live from a place of freedom. So Hebrews, what we just talked about, Hebrews 12 and 1, look what it says. It said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has before us. Everyone say, the race God has, pause right there, not your race. God has a race for you. If you align yourself with that race and you keep looking forward, the race God has before us and run that race with endurance. God has a race for each and every one of us. And what we have to do is pick up, look, pick ourselves up, move and walk in the freedom that God has already given us. So today, here's, here's how we're going to close. We're going to repent. We're going to repent of carrying the things that Jesus had already carried to the cross. We're going to repent of that, and we're going to walk free. We're going to ask God for forgiveness of us holding on to our shame and our regret. Not our sins. He took our sins. He nailed them to the cross. He cast them as far as the east is from the west. But the problem is we picked up the other sin of shame and regret, and we carried it back to the cross. And Jesus said, I've already died for that. God's desire is for you today is for you to move full speed ahead. How many of you want to move full speed ahead today? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. You can't move forward if you're committed to holding your past. You can't. What we're going to do right now, we're just going to allow ourselves to be released from that. We're going to allow ourselves to be released from that. I've spoken to a number of different people today, different situations. You may be carrying shame for some event that happened in your life that you feel like that you caused. And as we said before, you did it. You're guilty. You were guilty. But God took your guilt, and the guilt is gone. As David said, and I believe David said that surrounding his situation with Bathsheba, a grievous sin where he took another man's wife and had that other man killed, and he didn't want to confess it to God. And it took somebody confronting David about it before he actually confessed it. And he said, look, while I was holding on to it, my bones were wasting away. But he said, when I brought it to you and I confessed it to you, you set me free and all of my guilt is gone. Today, some of you are going to be released from shame. You're going to be released from guilt. You're going to be released from the past pains of your life. But you have to believe it and you have to walk in it. So here's what I want us to do, just real, real quick. There's some of you today, you want to be released. And I'm going to ask in this moment that... Everyone, don't just leave out because we're gonna, I'm going to pray a prayer over you and then the worship team is going to begin to worship and I want you to worship with the freedom that God has given you. After that, we're going to have some prayer leaders that's going to be in the front right after worship and if you have shame on you and you're trying to get it off, I want you to connect with one of those prayer leaders and allow, allow them to pray over you. Just join with them one time and just let them pray over you. And we're just going to pray that you'll be released from shame. Prayer leaders, you're just going to pray. I pray that you release them from guilt, release them from regret, release them from the shame in Jesus' name. But some of you, you need to commit your heart, commit your life to Jesus right now. You hadn't brought it to Jesus, but right now, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, look, I want you to give me that. You've been away from me. You've been distant from me. Some of you online watching right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, you've been distant. 
because you've been walking in shame. And Jesus said, look, come unto me, all you who are laboring and scratching and trying to make your life your own. Come unto me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants to give you peace today. And then there's another group of you that you have not ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you've been walking through carrying your own burdens and carrying your own shame. And he wants to set us free today. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I want us to repeat this prayer after me. And I want you to receive what Jesus has fully given us. Receive his salvation. Receive his life. And walk free. And then after you pray that prayer, I want, we're going to celebrate our freedom through worship. And I want you to engage in worship like you never have. The song says that I'm not enough. We're not enough. He said, I can't go back. I can't go back to the beginning. And I can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know right here, right now, Jesus can set me free. Let's, let's pray this prayer. Repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I believe that you've set me free. And as I receive you, I receive your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I believe that if you set me free, that I am free indeed. I'll say that again. If you set me free, I am free indeed. Now, Lord, I release, I release my guilt. I release my shame. I release my regret. And I pray, Lord, right now that you give me the freedom that you've already wanted for me. I thank you, Lord, that I am a child of the Most High God. And because you set me free, I am free indeed. I am free indeed. I am free indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone shout amen. Say amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Let's just go ahead and worship. Let's lift our hands. Say thank you, Jesus. I give you praise and glory for who you are. Let's worship, guys.